1: You're listening to Adopt Perspective, a podcast for anyone affected by adoption. I'm one of your hosts, Joe Sparrow. This podcast is a production of Jigsaw Queensland post-adoption support service. However, the views expressed are those of the people participating, not necessarily Jigsaw Queensland. The podcast discusses adult themes and listener discretion is advised. Hi and welcome to Adopt Perspective. I'm your host, Joe Sparrow. In late 2019, before COVID made in-person events a struggle, our Jigsaw Queensland's forced adoption support service hosted a series of trauma-sensitive yoga sessions for adopted adults and mothers who lost children to adoption. Trauma-sensitive yoga provides an opportunity to safely connect to your body and breathe through the practice of yoga and is available for all levels of fitness and flexibility. The series was called "Reinhabiting Your Body for Healing, and we received lots of positive feedback about the sessions. In coming episodes, we're going to be exploring therapeutic options to address adoption-related trauma. And there is no one perfect approach when seeking therapy. However, the more we learn about what is available, the better equipped we are to choose what may work for us. And that is what um, the intention is of our episode today. Today, we're speaking to Edwina Kemp who facilitated the trauma-sensitive yoga sessions for us. Edwina is an accredited mental health social worker and trauma-sensitive yoga facilitator and trainer, and she completed her training in trauma-sensitive yoga through the Trauma Centre at Justice Resource Institute in Brooklyn, Massachusetts, in the USA. Welcome to Adopt Perspective, Edwina. Thanks, Joe. It's wonderful to be here. Um, Firstly, Adwina, I wanted to know how long have you been a trauma-sensitive yoga facilitator and trainer?
0: Uh, So I trained um, in 2015 and 2016 as a facilitator. And then uh, from 2017, I was invited to be a trainer, one of three or four trainers uh, based in Australia. So I've been running training since then. And what motivated you to become
1: accredited in this field?
0: Um, So I've I've been working in the community sector really for my whole career as a social worker. And after doing an initial yoga teacher training, I really became passionate about trying to make yoga more accessible to people impacted by trauma and marginalised sort of communities and individuals. So um, that led me to find work of David Emerson who sort of pioneered and founded this approach to yoga um, and head over to Boston and and train with him um, and then to kind of as I guess combine social work alongside yoga to make it safer and more
1: inclusive and accessible. Yeah Um, what can you tell us about the evidence base that sits behind trauma yoga? Yeah so this
0: particular approach to to trauma yoga, and I guess there are um, lots of different variations, but this particular approach um, has been developed kind of over 20 years um, in collaboration with yoga teachers, therapists, psychologists, um, and researchers uh to create sort of a, an evidence base to, to demonstrate its efficacy in treating complex trauma and developmental trauma specifically mm-hmm. uh, and there's been numerous studies and, and trials and research papers um, that are all available for people to check out if they're interested in that kind of research side of it
1: that's good it gives them um, i think yeah. to know that that sort of evidence base sits behind it um gives people a lot of comfort i guess and um and trust in in it
0: yeah and it's sort of bridging that western approach to science and research with with yoga as
1: well Mm -hmm. so um you briefly just touched on it but um what does trauma sensitive yoga aim to address specifically
0: yeah so it um it has been developed for the treatment of complex trauma specifically Mm -hmm. um so we can understand complex trauma as Um, trauma that happens in the context of relationships often relationships that have have meant to be safe so maybe caregiving relationships or perhaps people that have experienced um, chaotic or neglectful sort of environments uh, throughout childhood or adulthood Uh, and it's sort of aims to bring together again sort of Western trauma theory, um, attachment theory, neuroscience alongside traditional Hatha yoga practices um, as a way to support people to um, maybe connect with their bodies, maybe connect with um, a, a way of having an experience in their bodies in the context of a relationship that is safe um, and that is kind of uh, trusted uh, so they can have a sense of trust and safety within relationship as well as within their body.
1: Yeah, that's a good explanation. Um, So why then is trauma-sensitive yoga a good treatment for people who have been affected by adoption?
0: Mm. I think there's layers to this. Um, We can see different layers to this and, and maybe one layer is that people who have been impacted by adoption may have been involved in systems of power and disempowerment, um, maybe where power and choice might have been taken away from people involved in adoption. And so there's this principle of empowerment that is really fundamental to trauma-sensitive yoga um, that can support people to have a sense of agency and choice over their body and over the experience that they have within their body. Um, so I think that's sort of one layer around empowerment and, and the experience of disempowerment. Um, I think we can also understand that adoption can impact attachment or there can be an, an attachment wound Um As a result of separation and so um, trauma-sensitive yoga happens in this context of a relationship and that can support people to have um, healing experiences of relationship and attachment within this sort of therapeutic process and I think like like all therapeutic modalities so much of it comes back to the the quality and safety of of the relationship um, and then I also think there's uh, a level of the body or a layer of the body, and um, this sense that the body remembers. And so maybe uh, people impacted by adoption, um, you know, maybe that's a mot- the mother, her body remembers, or maybe it's uh, the infant and the infant's body remembers. Um, so working with yoga obviously brings in this body piece um, that might support people to to process their experience on a body level in this sort of somatic body based way that maybe talk based therapies can't access um, in the same way. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's great. Thank you. Um, one of the really great things that I learnt about trauma sensitive yoga, preparing to talk to you, is that. It empowers the survivor with their own recovery, and there are several ways that it does this. Um, The first that I wanted to talk about is language. Can you Mm. tell me something about the language methodology behind trauma-sensitive yoga? Yeah, definitely. Um,
0: And I think it's it's such an integral part of this practice of yoga. Uh, It's often nuanced and subtle. uh, But one of the styles that we use really consistently is um, invitational language so that every single cue that we offered, offer to every um, thing we offer to do with your body is offered with an invitation. And so there's where this sense of empowerment really comes through at, at the core of, of a trauma-sensitive yoga practice. So like an example of this might be uh, if you'd like you could lift your arm or maybe you might like to take some movement in your body. Um, And this kind of uh, comes along with a sense that the facilitator or the teacher doesn't have an attachment to what someone then chooses um, as a result of offering this invitation. Yeah. Yeah. So we try to offer the invitations in a really kind of neutral way, that there isn't a right way or a wrong way. Um, There isn't a choice that's seen as better than another or more advanced than another.
1: Yeah, I can see why that would be um, possibly really beneficial to people who've been affected by adoption. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think sometimes um, in some yoga or meditation spaces, there's this sense that you need to be feeling good or that it feels amazing in your body. Um, And in this context of adoption or perhaps complex trauma um, where people might have, traumatic experiences layered on top of the adoption experience um, where the body might be unfamiliar or scary or fraught with danger. Um, that sense of feeling amazing in their body or feeling really good just might be really alienating language um, yeah. and makes the practice feel inaccessible or not for them um, and then stories of shame can present for people if it feels like it's not something that, that they can access, yeah. it's available to them. Mm.
1: So two of the key themes of trauma-sensitive yoga are practice-making choices and present moment experience. Let's start with the first. What can you tell us about practice-making choices? Um, And again, this really, I
0: think, comes back to um, that principle of empowerment. And we can understand that at the root of trauma or traumatic experience is an extreme lack of choice where people have experienced um, all choice taken away from them. And this, this might be on a physiological level, on the level of the body, where people might have had no choice or control over the response that their body took because we know that that response is automatic. It's not a cognitive, conscious response that we think about and choose. It just happens automatically. Um, or maybe someone had an experience of, trying to do something in the moment, but something bad happened anyway, the trauma happened anyway. Um, Or maybe people might have experienced a lack of choice within a relationship or a system at the time of a trauma where they experienced this extreme sort of disempowerment over what what was happening in -hmm. the moment. And so... um, The practice of trauma-sensitive yoga can give people opportunities to just start practising, making choices. And we acknowledge that this can be really hard, um, particularly if there's been this history of uh, a lack of choice and agency. Um, So it it might be as simple as you you can choose whether um, you have your hands reaching to the sky or on your hips um, and having this real tangible, genuine choice uh, in the context of a safe relationship. And David Emerson talks about this as being in the context of a relationship, making a real genuine choice where no one's abandoned, no one's manipulated, no one's coerced. Um, and that is a, is a healing opportunity to make make choices and affect change within your own body-based experience and then some people reflect on how um, they can connect this sense of making choice and having some experience of empowerment within the yoga setting can translate into other spaces and areas in their lives. So maybe they can um, advocate for themselves within a medical system or perhaps express their needs and desires within a relationship or a workplace. Um, so I think it can be really powerful when people have those experiences of finding that they have choice in their everyday lives. Yeah.
1: Um, what about present moment experience? Well, can you tell us about this?
0: Yeah, so this is... Um, I guess I guess one way to think about this is when our our physiological reality so like our our body based reality is in sync with our neurophysiological reality so our mind or our brain and this is this is sort of like the opposite of a dissociative experience which is like the the body is here perhaps but the mind Um, is elsewhere somewhere else completely so a present moment experience can be like an integration of of mind and body Uh, this connection um, maybe also a connection of spirit if that's a word that speaks to people Um, and again that this can be the opposite of a a a trauma um, the opposite of dissociation or or quite different from a subsequent re-experiencing of trauma where people are kind of called back into the past. Um, and sometimes words used to describe this experience is that it's disintegrated or it's fragmented, that it's disconnected. Vessel um, van der Kolk, for example, talks about how trauma is like a disease of not being able to be present. Yeah. And so trauma treatment should be about supporting people to have a present moment experience to live fully in the present
1: yeah that's a great explanation thank you um which then brings us i guess to one of the key concepts of trauma sensitive yoga which is interoception i hope i said that right yeah. Um, yeah. so maybe you can put it simply for us what is interoception yeah it is. Um, it's
0: a complex system, um, but put simply, it's like our capacity to feel our bodies and the sensations of our bodies. Sometimes it's um, thought as as thought of as the um, all of the sensations from the skin in. Um, it's like our capacity to feel our internal world. Uh, sometimes it's described as the physiological condition of the entire body. Mm. So some examples might be um, feeling hunger, that's in an interoceptive experience. Um, feeling your breath move is interoceptive. There's lots of muscles involved with breathing that we might be able to feel. Pain is an interoceptive experience. Um, and some some interoceptive uh, dynamics can be, or pathways can be about um, connecting a sensation to a direct behaviour or response. So, an example might be: I feel hunger, and I go and get something to eat. So, there's this attachment of, uh, or connection of, the behaviour to meet the the sensation that's noticed within the body, and that can happen consciously or unconsciously. We can interact with it
1: um yeah so getting in touch with those um what our body's feeling and telling us I guess it is important I mean how many times do we go to the fridge and get something to eat without thinking about whether we're hungry mm. um or experiencing even that feeling to know what it you know to really think about if you are and where that feeling's coming from
0: Mm,
1: absolutely and I think that um
0: Part of a practice like this can support people to develop some of those interoceptive pathways of connecting to what the signal from the body is, is trying to communicate to us um, and affect our behaviour kind of accurately or appropriately to, to meet the sensation, that
1: the need of that.
2: Yeah.
1: Um. So what does it mean then to live in the reality of the present?
2: Mm. I think
0: this is, um, again, layered and maybe is in a way that everyone would have a different response to this. Mm -hmm. Um, But for me, I think it's a sense of of knowing that you are here in this moment um, and perhaps safe in this moment. It's um, an experience of not being called back to the past or worrying about the future um and, it, you know, in the past people might be sometimes um, really overtaken with all of the the sensations, the sensory experience, the physical, emotional experience that happened at the time um, rather than being present with what is happening in the moment, present moment. Yeah. Um, and we know that some... Some people impacted by trauma have some of the neuroscience has shown us that um, they can have a diminished or a deactivated interoceptive um, system or pathways within within their brain and body. And so what that might mean is people um, are less able to tune into the present moment experience through the experience of their body. Yeah. And this can connect uh, to how we experience our sense of self, our sense that we kind of exist here in this moment um, through the experience of our bodies. Um, And there's this hypothesis, I guess, that people impacted by trauma have had to be so highly attuned to the external environment that it's meant um, there's been less, um, availability of being able to turn inwards and to notice the internal environment.
1: Yeah, actually, I was thinking about this um, in relation to my husband and I, because we're very different. I'm very forward thinking. I'm very, I plan, I look at all the contingencies and try to make sure things are in place so that you know the bad thing I'm worried about doesn't happen so that everything goes to plan and he's very much a non-planner and just um, deals with issues as they come up and so far more relaxed than I and sometimes I think too relaxed and he definitely thinks I'm too high key <laughs> but yeah I find it very difficult to be present in the moment and sometimes it just takes me by surprise when maybe I'm bushwalking or something or outside and see a really beautiful sunset and then suddenly it just bang, I'm in the moment, which is Mm. something I don't experience a lot. Mm. Um,
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I think you're um, highlighting how um, there's different ways that we can be present in the moment, and sometimes that's something beautiful in nature, like something that we see or experience in that way, and other times it might be a a sense of turning inward and noticing what's present in the inner experience. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So um, I read about the importance of shared authentic experience. How does this work in a trauma-sensitive yoga session? Mm. This really comes back, I think, to the importance of
0: relationship um, and that all of what we're doing together is happening in the context of a relationship. So in trauma-sensitive yoga, this means that we're doing the practice alongside participants. So we're not standing at the front of the room um, or walking around the room watching participants or evaluating them or judging or correcting them. So that we're engaging with our bodies and making choices for our own bodies as well. And that we're we're each taking responsibility for. Um, our own choices. Um, I think a a layer of this also is that as I'm inviting a participant into this space of vulnerability, of being with their body, even just for a moment, I'm going there with you, alongside you. And that doesn't have to mean that we're having the same experience, but that we're sharing it together together. And, again, in this sense of a relationship where no one's coerced or abandoned or manipulated um, in that experience to make it shared and and real and authentic.
1: Yeah, which brings us, I guess, to the final concept that I wanted to talk about, which is Mm. non-coercion, which is really important for people affected by adoption. What does that mean in trauma-sensitive yoga? Um,
0: So much of this is is intertwined, all of these concepts are intertwined, like we can't have a shared authentic experience without non-coercion and we can't have um, an empowered experience without non-coercion. And I think in the context of yoga, it's an awareness of the subtle and sort of nuanced ways that our language, the tone of our voice, our body language might be suggestive or coercive Um, so for example we don't do any hands-on or physical adjustments we don't touch people in the practice Um, and at no point am i going to tell people what to do with their bodies or how they should be experiencing their bodies to really provide genuine choosable um, things without any attachment to how someone makes those choices for their own body
1: yeah yeah, that's important um I'm just wondering if you could drop us into a session at the moment and, and how might a one-on-one trauma session begin mm. um so
0: I'll often begin with an overview of the principles of the practice um so that people have a sense of uh what's sort of the the thinking and the theory behind the practice. Then we might have a bit of a check-in about why someone's wanting to explore the practice, um, what they might be hoping to get out of it. Uh, So this might be that someone feels really disconnected from their body and they're starting to notice this. Um, It might be that they've done a lot of talk therapy and now they're finding that. There's a, there's a stuckness or a block that they want to see how the body might fit into that, that picture for them. Maybe they want to explore ways um, to manage triggers that come up within their body. Maybe people want to establish a, a kinder sort of relationship with their body. Uh, and then I'll often generally start with a five-minute practice a little bit of movement often from a chair or a seated sort of shape and then after that five minutes check in with people and see how they've experienced it in their body if there's anything they want to share about what they noticed and for some people five minutes or ten minutes is enough and for other people they might like to do a longer
1: um, exploration
0: of the practice
1: yeah mm. so um are the sessions strenuous can anyone do it
0: yeah absolutely so um, it can be adapted and modified in whatever way to suit someone's experience and body or, or what they're wanting to um or how they're wanting to enter into the practice all of it can be done from a chair um, and that can a chair can be supportive in, in lots of different ways whether that's because maybe sometimes people feel safer in sort of the containment of a chair or maybe there's some physical um, considerations that a chair makes it more accessible physically. Uh, It tends to be, it can be gentle or strong. Um, It tends to be a slower kind of practice to allow for those opportunities to make your own choices and to maybe notice what you might be feeling or not feeling in your body.
1: Obviously, anytime somebody is doing some kind of therapeutic work, they could have a trigger. Um, mm-hmm. They could be triggered in a session. What happens if that happens during a session of trauma-sensitive yoga?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's quite it's quite possible given the nature of the body and the nature of trauma, um, and that might be that someone has a dissociative experience or maybe memories. Um, or feelings or emotions or sensations might arise or perhaps someone has an experience of feeling um, a bit activated in their nervous system. And I, I guess a, a beginning sort of approach with this is that it's okay um, if this happens and we hope to create a space where it, where it is okay and that's held with, um, with safety and, and compassion for that experience. And then um, that the participant remains in charge of what happens um, in in that experience or in that moment. So that might be that someone chooses to change the shape that they're in in their body, or it might be that they choose to finish the practice there, or maybe they choose to um, stay with a shape or a movement uh, knowing that they can come out of it at any time. So really coming back to that principle of empowerment again and that people can direct their their experience in their body.
1: Yeah. So what are some of the benefits that a participant might experience from doing trauma-sensitive yoga? Mm,
0: I think um, I would start by acknowledging that it's different for everyone and what works for some doesn't work for others or what works on one day won't work the next day Um, so kind of we try to set up that um that sense of expectation around on on around the benefits or the use of the practice but some people might experience um some sense of self-regulation or self-soothing so this isn't something that we take as Something that we're trying to do in the practice, but it might be an outcome for people. Uh, People might develop an increased connection to their bodies. Uh, Alongside this, people might um, develop perhaps a sense of respect for their bodies and what their bodies have done to protect them, and that these um, strategies have been. Uh, adaptive, not maladaptive within their bodies. Um, It might help people to develop more robust interoceptive pathways or capacities, so that's that connection to sensation and feeling in the bodies, and then people might experience um, being more able to appropriately or accurately respond to the signals of their body. Um, And this can have lots of benefits in sort of day-to-day life of meeting the the sensations of their body. Um, Accurately, for example, people might have an experience of um, feeling a sensation in their tummy and they can ascertain, is that anxiety or am I hungry? And sort of being able to read those signals um, can be really empowering. Um, it might give people a sense of agency and empowerment, as we've talked about, of what they do with their bodies, how they engage in relationships, choices that they can make um, in daily life and recognising that I actually have choice. I can change my experience. And for some people that's a surprise. That's a new new experience. Yeah, and a yeah. wonderful
1: one. Yeah. So um, if anyone is wanting to do trauma-sensitive yoga, how should they go about finding a facilitator? Probably the best place to go
0: is traumasensitiveyoga.com, which is a global website that lists um, certified facilitators in this specific approach all around the world. Um, And and these facilitators have gone through in-depth training, mentorship and ongoing um, professional supervision um, and lots of facilitators on their work um, online and face-to-face so you can find people that are in your region or, or, um, or not if
1: you want to work online. Yeah. So that was my next question. There are options for people who um, live regionally or for whatever reason can't access services in person. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, fantastic. So, look, I was wondering if um, to close out our podcast today, whether you would mind leading us through a short trauma-sensitive yoga session so that our listeners can get a small feel for what it might be like. Yeah, I would love to. Oh, fantastic. Well, before we start, um, can I just thank you so much for your time today and sharing with us about trauma-sensitive yoga, Adwina. Um, I know you're a very busy person and I truly appreciate it.
0: Mm, Thanks for having me on Jo. It's really, it's an honour to share this work with your audience.
1: Thank you. Uh, And we'll put up some relevant links about Edwina and trauma-sensitive yoga on our podcast notes page. Um, So please be sure to check them out. Now, just before I hand over to Adwina to lead us, a reminder that if you have a story you'd like to share with us, jump onto the main podcast page of the Jigsaw Queensland website and complete the prospective guest form that you'll find there. And note that a dot perspective can be listened to by people all over the world. Take it away, Edwina. Thanks, Jo. So you're welcome to,
0: to participate in this short uh, yoga or movement practice in whatever way suits your body in this moment so that might mean that you're making different choices as as you move through the practice if you like you could start in a seated shape so feel free to arrange yourself in a seated shape that could be on the ground it could be on a chair or another surface that you've got available where you are so maybe coming to find a seated shape in your body And you might have a way of sort of arriving into this practice and this time together, maybe as an opportunity to meet your body today. However, that needs to be for you today. So one way to arrive might be to notice your body on the surface that you're on. So it might be that your feet might be connected with the ground, and you might be able to feel your feet in connection
2: with the ground. And if it feels useful,
0: too, you could bring some movement to your feet. You might lift and lower your heels, or point and flex your toes. Perhaps bringing some movement into your feet.
2: you're welcome to continue with the movement that you're making maybe with your feet
0: if you'd like to explore some other movement it could be with your body where you might shift your body from side to side
2: perhaps you might be shifting your body from side to side Another
0: possibility here could be to move your body forwards and backwards.
2: So maybe
0: moving your body forwards and backwards.
2: It's also possible to find another movement in your body in this moment. So you can choose what suits you here. Another kind of movement could be with
0: your shoulders. So one choice could be to roll your shoulders. Another choice could be to lift your shoulders up and down. So you could be choosing
2: maybe some shoulder rolls. Or another choice could be to lift your shoulders up and down.
0: there's no right or wrong way to do this practice.
2: Another possible movement could be a
0: twist. So if you like, you could turn your body to one side and if there's a surface behind you, like the back of a chair or the floor, you could take your back hand to the surface behind you.
2: And if you are in a sort of twisting or
0: a rotating shape to one side,
2: maybe you might
0: notice if there's some sensation through your upper back.
2: You might notice if there's some sensation maybe through your upper back. You're welcome to
0: swap sides. If you've been twisting any time, you might turn to the other side and You might have your back hand to a surface behind you.
2: And if you are twisting your body,
0: you might notice if there's some feeling or sensation, maybe through your upper back, or you might not be noticing much sensation at all. Or maybe you can feel sensation in a different part of your body. We all feel things differently. Maybe already if you've been in that twisting shape you could return to your center. And maybe another shape here it could be a forward fold where you might move your body forward over
2: your legs. And you can choose how much you might want to move forward. And sometimes we don't know what we want to choose.
0: So if it feels useful, you could try different options. And sometimes that helps in choosing maybe how much you want to fold forward in your body today. If at all, you might also be finding a, a different shape, and that's really
2: welcome. It might be that you notice your breath. Maybe that you're breathing. Whenever you're ready, feel free to
0: return to your sort of seated centered shape. And then you might like to continue a bit of movement here to come towards the end of this short practice. So that could be shifting from side to side or you might choose to find some pause in your body if you feel to find a moment of pause or stillness in your body.
2: And as a way of closing, only if it feels valuable to you in this moment, you might thank yourself for spending this little bit of time with yourself and your body.
0: And I thank you for sharing in some practice today.
1: Thanks for listening to the Adopt Perspective podcast. If you'd like to find out more, go to the podcast page on www.jigsawqueensland.com and you'll find a wealth of information and resources on the website. If you reside in Queensland, you can reach Jigsaw Queensland's Forced Adoption Support Service on toll free 1800 210313. Or you can call Jigsaw on 07 3358 666. If you live in another state of Australia, you can still call the Forced Adoption Support Service number and your call will be answered by the Forced Adoption Support Service in the state that you're calling from. In every other state, Relationships Australia operates this service. A big thank you to Matt Sparrow for composing and recording our original theme music. Until next time, I'm Jo Sparrow saying farewell from Adopt Perspective, a podcast for anyone affected by adoption.